0: Uh, this morning we talked about truth being expelled. Isaiah 59, it talks about, verse 14, says, Justice is turned around back, uh, judgment is turned around backwards, uh, justice standeth afar off, truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. And, uh, and so tonight, I want you to go not to Isaiah 59, but to Psalm 51. We're going to look at it from a little little different perspective. In November of 1988, a 19 year old woman fell asleep behind the wheel of her car at 2:15 in the morning. Her car plunged through a guardrail and was dangling by its left rear tire. A half dozen motorists passing, uh, pa- passing motorists stopped, grabbed some ropes from one of the re- vehicles and tied the ropes to the back of the car and hung on until fire units arrived. A ladder was extended from below to help stabilize the car, while firefighters tied the vehicle to tow trucks with chains and cables. One of the rescuers later said, every time we would move the car, she would yell and scream. She was in terrible pain. For nearly two and a half hours, police officers, tow truck drivers, firefighters, and passers-by about 25 people in all worked to secure the car and pull the one woman to safety. All through the episode, the woman kept repeating a phrase over and over to rescuers. She kept saying, I'll do it myself. Though the woman was in horrible pain and pinned inside the car, and though she could do nothing to change her circumstances, or save herself from her danger, she was convinced that she could do it herself. Ultimately, it took the efforts of nearly 25 people to rescue her from potential death. It's amazing how many people think that they can just do it themselves. Isaiah 59, all of those people felt like they could do it themselves. They had chosen to disregard the truth that they had. Now we have, in, in past weeks, been in you know, a while, we've talked often about the fact that the heart is the essence of who we are. It's the center of our moral conscience. It's the center of our spiritual being as well. The Bible says that we're to keep the heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life also says that we have to guard our heart because the heart is is uh, evil, uh, deceptive, and evil, desperately wicked. Who can know it? So uh, so we need God's help to keep our heart right. That's important. Now, if I were to ask you, the, the folks we talked about this morning, Isaiah 59, the folks who's Their mind was set on doing evil. Uh, In their path was waste and destruction. If I were to ask you what consumed their heart, what would you say? It would be iniquity, evil. It would be a desire to do that which is displeasing to God. In essence, it would be a desire to do what pleased them. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to do it by themselves. And they thought that somehow they could manage that way. Now, when we talk about the heart, remember the three parts of the heart. There's the intellect, the will, and the emotion. The intellect is what we know. The will is what we do. The emotion is what we feel. So let's apply that to the people in Isaiah 59. What, what did they know? Well, what all, all they knew was what they wanted. Just like, like kids. Little kids, you know, babies born, coming into this world, and when they are very, very young, they are consumed with only one thing, and there's only one thing they know. And what is that? It's what they want. They cry if they want something and don't have it. And, uh, you know, it's sad that... Babies grow up and they become toddlers and toddlers do the same thing. They become a little older and the kids do the same thing. Uh, You know, at, at some point along the way, you expect them to gain some maturity and they realize that sometimes we ought to be interested in something other than just what we want. But it's sad because in this day and age, we've got people that are full adults, that are absolutely mature who are consumed with only what they want. That's all they think about. It doesn't matter how it impacts somebody else. It doesn't matter how many people get hurt as a result of it. It doesn't matter what happens to people around you or even, in some cases, our entire nation. All that is is important is if they get what they want. What they know is what they want. And what they want is is their their heart is filled with inequity. So what they what they know is what they want. So what do they do? They do what they want. They find out what that is, and then they are consumed with, with getting that uh, accomplished. Uh, go back to the illustration about kids. Uh, I've got ten grandkids. Now my 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 three sons will never like this, but my grandkids when they're young. You know, I can see it in them a little better. One of them gets a toy, and they start playing with it. And the other one looks at them and says, no, I want that toy. So they come and try to take it away from them. And so we reason with the grandkids and explain to them that you have to share. And we convince the one who has the toy to share it with the other one. And so the other one takes it, and the one that we got it away from, they, with a a sweet spirit, they get up. And they go and get another toy. you know what happens? The same kid that wanted the first toy looks over there and says, I don't want this one anymore. I want that one. And they go and demand that one. And it's that way over and over and over again. And part part of the responsibility of parents is to teach children that you can't always have your own way. Sometimes if you get your own way, that's a bad thing. Because we don't always know what we need. But for those whose hearts are consumed with iniquity, what they know is what they want. What they do and what they demand is what they want. And what they feel is the result of what they've chosen to do. And that's not always a good thing. There have been times in my life when I pursued my personal desire in spite of the fact that I knew other people thought it wouldn't be a good idea, including my parents. And there have been times when I got what I wanted and then wished I hadn't. Because sometimes what we want is the worst thing that we can get. So, those who do not know the Lord and those whose hearts are consumed with iniquity, they know one thing, and that is what they want, they do one thing, is, that's what they need to do to get what they want, and they feel the consequences of whatever that ends up being. And it's not always a good thing. Now look, if you would, in Psalm 51. Everybody in here probably is, is pretty familiar with this psalm. This is David's psalm, David's, David's repentance over his sin with Bathsheba. Um, That whole story, if you go back and look at it, David committed three major sins in his life that the Bible records. The first one was when he brought the ark back to Jerusalem. His motive was right. His desire was right. He wanted to do the right thing, bring the ark back. But his method was wrong. He forgot to seek out what God wanted. He did it the wrong way, and he paid a price for it. Uh, second sin, that was a sin, by the way, of, of impulse. He was, he, just, he was just excited about doing what, what he ought to do. And so he, he got busy about it and he, he made a mistake. The second one was not a sin of impulse. That was the sin with Bathsheba. And somebody may say, well, it was impulsive. He saw her and he desired her. And so when it was impulsive. He decided he wanted her to come. But when he sent somebody to inquire about her, they came back and she said, they told him, said, she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And, uh, and yet he went and sent for her anyway. That wasn't, that wasn't impulse. That was premeditated. He made a choice to do that which he clearly knew was wrong, to satisfy his own personal desire. That's a, a bad mistake to make. His third sin was one of pride when he numbered the people. He wanted to see how many warriors. And this is at the end of his life when he'd won all of his battles. I mean, he was he was in control of everything. God had given him victory over and over and over again. And instead of just rejoicing in what God had done, he wanted to know, let me, let, let's let count them up and see how many, how many brave warriors we have. And in each case, the penalty got worse. And in each case, more people died. Well, this is after his sin with Bathsheba. And I want you to notice several things. We're going to get down to verse number six in just a moment. But let's begin in verse number one. David says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightst be justified when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judgest. Behold I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. And then he says this. Behold. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David had a clear understanding of what he needed in his heart. He said, Lord, you desire what in the inward parts? Truth in the inward parts. The inward parts talk about our heart. It's talking about the center of our being, the essence of who we are. The will, the intellect and the emotions, what we know, what we do, what we feel. Those are the three things that are that are involved there. So with David, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. That's what I want to have, truth in the inward parts. What did David have in his inward parts before this? What was his heart filled with? It was filled with iniquity. He had, what what did he know? Well, he knew who Bathsheba was. But he also knew what he wanted, what his flesh desired. And what did he do? He pursued fulfillment of the desire of his flesh. And what did he feel? Well, in the immediate in the immediate aftermath, maybe he felt some satisfaction. But for the rest of his life, he felt the consequences of that sin that he committed. Not only did the baby die but when he got ready to to kill uriah he sent him into the hottest part of the battle with a crew of a whole troop of soldiers and then they withdrew but all of them didn't get out there were a number that died joab sent a message back and said not only did uriah die but several others died and david responded saying well in essence he said well you know that's kind of what happens in war sometimes you know that's part of part of war and so in David's heart, he had become so, so hardened to the truth that he felt like the sacrifice of a number of brave warriors, brave soldiers, was a, uh, a, 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 an acceptable trade for the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. But then his family, his sons, one by one, went bad. Absalom uh, rejected him. And it it, it was just one thing after another. The rest of his life, David suffered the consequence of that sin that he sowed. But now, now David comes and says, you know what, Lord, I know that you desire truth in the inward parts. And David knew what was in his inward parts. David knew what was in his heart. Go back again He says in verse number two, Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. David is saying, I know that my heart has been filled with sin. This is, by the way, after Nathan came, the prophet came, and, and, and made him acknowledge it. But he, at this point, acknowledges it, and says, Lord, I know that my heart is filled with iniquity. And it doesn't need to be. You desire, not that iniquity. You desire in my heart, not to be this, this, this thought, what I know is what I want. And what I pursue is what I want. I, I realize that's not, that's not what you desire. That's not what ought to be. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. This morning we talked about truth expelled. Tonight, I want to talk about truth embraced, because you and I as believers, that ought to be what's going on with us. What ought to be be consuming our heart? It ought not to be our personal desires. We ought not to spend our time thinking about what I want. What do I know? Well, I know that I'm unhappy in this situation, so I would like for this to be different. I know that I would like to accomplish this. And maybe even we would say, I want to accomplish this for the Lord. But you know, we don't get our desires, what we want to accomplish from the Lord, from ourselves. It's not about us making plans and determining that we want God to help us to achieve that so we can honor Him. It's about us wanting what God wants and laying ourselves bare before Him and saying, Lord, you show me what I want. You give me the desires of my heart. You help me to see what you want and help me to pursue that. David knew at this point that his heart was filled with iniquity. Now, how do we get hearts that are right with God? How do we get hearts that are filled with truth? Well, look again at verse number 6 of Psalm 51. David says, "Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts." And then it says this: "And in the hidden parts, the secret parts, thou shalt make me to know wisdom." So how do we how do we get truth in our inner heart? Is it because we decide we're going to have it? Now, I'm, I'm I'm going to embrace truth. That's a good decision to make. But you know, I don't I don't have the ability. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the the depth necessary to be able to comprehend the truth that I need to be able to live for God and to honor him. So where does it come from? It comes from God giving us that truth. David said, in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Thou wilt show me the truth that's important for me if I'm willing to submit to him. In other words, we don't do it on our own. We're, we're, we're like the girl hanging by the left tire off the edge of the bridge. And, and all these people are trying to help her to get out and she's in pain. And she's screaming and she's saying, no, but I, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. God is sitting in heaven and saying, if you'll let me, I'll give you the guidance that you need. I'll give you the wisdom. I'll show you the truth. I'll fill your heart with truth if you'll let me. But we often end up rejecting that because we say we can, we can do it ourselves. I, I'll, I'll just do it. I'll just do it myself. Can you think of a time in your life wherever you did that? I can think of many times over the years when my thought was, let me figure this out. And I worked, and I made my plan, and I got everything all lined up, and I knew how to do it. And I, 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 what I knew was my plan, what I'd come up with, what I pursued was achieving that goal. And what I found out, what I felt later, was that that was a dumb thing to do. On many, many occasions, that has been true in my life. That ought not to be true in the life of a believer because we understand that we we don't have the ability to save ourselves, we don't have the ability to change ourselves, and we don't have the ability in ourselves to please the Lord. It's got to be what God does in us and through us because our hearts are yielded. I want you to look at the rest of David's prayer. Notice in verse number 7, He says, purge me with hyssop. Stop right there for a moment. Who's purging him? God is. He's not purging himself. David says, Lord, purge me with hyssop. You cleanse me. I can't clean myself. I can't change myself to become all that you want me to be. I need you to do that to me. And I'm yielding myself so that you can do that. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. Who's going to wash him? The Lord's going to wash him. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. How is he going to get that gladness and that joy again? It's going to be the Lord's working in his heart. Hide thy face from my sins, blot out all mine iniquities. And verse number 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Have you ever been to the place where you felt like you needed desperately a spiritual cleansing? Where you felt like you were not at all, there there was just something that, that wasn't right and there was nothing you could do? That would make it feel any better? The only way to get beyond that is to get on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, would you please, would you please create in me a clean heart? Make me different. Help me to get beyond these issues that I'm dealing with. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. You know it's hard sometimes to get over things that occur that are unpleasant especially if somebody has done something particularly hurtful. We all have things in our past that were not pleasant. Things that we didn't anticipate and things that were and, and somebody that you thought was a good friend, they hurt you. Somebody that you thought wanted to help you, they ended up creating more problems for you. Somebody that you trusted that turned out to be untrustworthy. That's not an easy thing to get beyond. And having a wrong spirit with regard to that can hinder us in our walk with the Lord, can hinder us as far as our effectiveness in serving Him. And it's a great it's a great challenge. So how do you get over that? There's nothing we can do, because my flesh is very demanding. My flesh wants revenge. And then sometimes we haven't have this attitude, we even have this attitude, well, I know that vengeance belongs to the Lord. But we want to reserve the right to approve what God chooses to do, to punish those people for what they've done to us we often talk about somebody's going to pay that, they're going to pay for that when they stand before the Lord. Well, they may pay for it in this life and God may chasten them for what they've done and they may deal with the consequences of what they've sown, but ultimately the one who's paying the greatest price for that is the one who harbors the hurt and keeps it deep within. Um, I've shared with you on many occasions the very first ministry experience I had. We were there for four months, and I ended up leaving with a week's notice. And it took me a long time to get beyond that. My wife and I and our new baby were in this place, and the pastor essentially said, uh, "You have." We were living in a at a house provided by the church, driving a car the church provided. And he said, you've got one week to, to vacate the house, one week to turn in all your keys, your one-week salary, and then, and that's it. But don't, don't, come to the, don't come to work. Spend your time finding someplace to go. That was my first ministry experience. And I battled that for years. Um, I left that, that Saturday. We got everything packed up. We left on, on Saturday. And I left with this question in my heart. Why in the world did it end up that I brought my wife, and then we went up there and had the new baby, and uh, a thousand miles away from my home to work in this ministry only to be there four months and then be dismissed? How, how, how is it that, that that pastor and that ministry did not care as much for me as I cared for them? I was, my desire was to serve there. I wanted to, to, to help them. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wasn't perfect, but I wanted to help them. Those are hurtful things. And it's very difficult to get beyond them. But the only way to do it is to let the Lord renew a right spirit. Because that spirit is wrong. Doesn't matter how bad you were hurt, doesn't matter how how terrible the situation was. We, as believers, need to learn what it means to forgive and ask the Lord to renew a right spirit within us. David knew how badly he had wronged his Uriah's family, Uriah, Bathsheba, and, uh, and, and, and his testimony was damaged in the kingdom as well. And he knew that his spirit had not been right. And so he said, Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11, cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Now you see the working in the heart through all of that? What he knows, what he did, and what he feels. He's asking that God would help him with all three of those things as you go through there. Then in verse 13, we see the, the, the result of this. Things are different when we embrace truth, when we let the Lord give us that truth in our hearts. He says in verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Do you know service, genuine service for God, cannot be accomplished unless the Spirit is right? unless our heart is right, unless we're eager to do what God wants instead of seeking our own purpose. He said, when that happens, you restore unto me the joy of my salvation, give me me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me, then I will be able to teach transgressors thy ways. Then will sinners be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O Lord, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. When when an individual who has been under conviction for some time, and who has a hard time responding to the, the work of the Spirit of God, finally gets things right, there's a load lifted. I mean, your your spirit is renewed. There is joy. And then it's a, it's a thrill to sing. To sing of God's goodness and God's blessing. God is our Father. We're His children. He chastens us when we do wrong. And when we go and make things right, it's just like in a relationship that a, a parent has on earth with their children. There have been times when we've had situations with our kids where things weren't exactly right. And our kids had a own spirit. And we would deal with them and pray with them and work with them and deal with them and pray with them and work with them and, and pray for them. And the Lord would work with work in their heart. And then all of a sudden, it's like the light comes on. And they say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm going to yield to you. And they get things right. And when that happens, then their spirit toward their parents changes. And they come and they, I mean, it's it's they come and 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 they're grateful, and everything is different. There's joy there that wasn't there before. And so David says, My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And then he says, Oh Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice. You realize what that means? Do you talk, sometimes your preachers talk about how much they sacrifice for the Lord. That's not what the Lord's interested in. God doesn't want us giving our time and feeling like a martyr. I spent many, many years in the ministry feeling guilty because I didn't do enough. My whole spirit, the whole, the whole understanding of what it was to serve God was wrong. Serving God is a, is a privilege. It's, it's supposed to be a joy. It's something we do because we love to do it. Not because we have to. It's not, we're, we're not supposed to go home and sit down and say, well, boy, I, I, the Lord, Lord has to be honored because I sure sacrifice now. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time sacrificing today for the Lord. That's not. I, I I don't come to church because I have to do it. I don't preach because I have to do it. I don't I don't I don't do what I do for God because I have to do it. I do it because I want to honor Him. I want to serve Him. And and since I got past that thing about feeling like I had to I had to reach a certain standard, I had to accomplish a certain amount of things before. I can, I can rejoice over what God has used me to do. That's not true. God will bless a, a heart that is yielded to him, and it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter from a world's perspective what kind of, quote, success we have. Success in the life of a Christian is being faithful to the Lord, and doing joyfully what he has called you to do. And that's the way it's supposed to be for a believer. David said, uh, uh, I, thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. Somebody who is yielded to the Lord. Who says, God, you, you use me as you seek fit.'" In Romans chapter 12, it says, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, you present your bodies a willing sacrifice, a yielded sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conform this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The thing that comes first in all of that is a renewed mind. Because when you get things right in your thinking, then your priorities change and the result is it's not the means to you having a renewed mind. The result of having a renewed mind is that you're not going to be conformed to the world. So we don't preach messages. Don't need to preach messages. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Get your thinking right and the result will be that you don't do those things. That's the way it should be. And David said... The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. You want to know how truth is embraced in the heart of a believer? It's when we have a yielded heart. When we say, Lord, make me to know truth. Help me to have wisdom in the hidden part, so that my judgments are right, so that my thinking is right. So that I can serve you acceptably. It's not about how much we we sacrifice for God. It's about how yielded we are to Him. And when we're yielded, the result of that is joyful service. Going back to this morning, the people that Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 59—they had one thing in mind. That was what they wanted. They were pursuing that with all their hearts. What they wanted because their heart was consumed by their own desires was, it was iniquity. It was, it was filled with wickedness. That's all they thought about and that's what they were pursuing with their whole heart. David had a bout with that too, with Bathsheba. He pursued what he wanted to the exclusion of what God wanted and he ended up paying the price. But in this case, David saw his error, and he came to the Lord and said, You know, Lord, what I know is that my heart is full of iniquity, and I need something different. I know who you are, and I know that your hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, that your ear is not heavy, that it will not hear. So I'm coming, and I'm confessing my sin. And I'm saying, Lord, would you please fill me with truth? I know that's what I need. And if I'll embrace that, let the Lord do His work in me, then I can live a life that is pleasing to Him, and I can be, I can be successful in my service for Him. But you can't do it on your own. It's not your own will. It's not your own effort. It is a yieldedness to the Spirit. Of God letting him have his way in our life he's the one that cleans our heart he's the one that gives us a renewed spirit he's the one that purges us he's the one that fills us with wisdom it's all him working in us if we're yielded to him that's what we need to do and, and again we can't change I said this morning we can't change our country but we can have an impact in our sphere of influence If we're willing to embrace the truth that God wants to give us, let's stand together with His Barnosklos.